OTB Sports Rugby. I just remember when Stephen Jones was stepping up to take it, I was there going, oh, we've got this. Had they given it to Gavin Henson, I would have been a lot more worried. Um, <laughs> Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Brian, Manchester City within three points of Arsenal ahead of that top of the table clash on Wednesday. They beat Aston Villa 3-1 at halftime. It couldn't have been more straightforward. Villa made a fight of us in the second half. Did you learn anything about Manchester City today? Um, I, I think we did learn some some things. Probably not nothing that we hadn't seen before, where there's a bit of casualness defensively, uh, not quite as ruthless in attack as they normally are when they get teams in position during today the where they're training up. It usually gets worse for the opposition. Uh, today it got better. Villa, Villa, you could say, won the second half of the match. City had several chances to to kill them off completely. Instead of that. A little bit of caution and um, I'd say messiness came into the game as, as the game went on and they ended up just winning 3-1 comfortably enough but there was a, a few sticky moments where Ederson was called into action whereas in the first half he was a complete onlooker t- to the game so we learned that City are I would think more vulnerable defensively than they had been previously uh, less clinical in the attacking positions and I'd say less dominant in the midfield area also, but on the on the plus side from from Manchester City's point of view, I think having the, the two main centre backs back, Diaz and Laporte, was a real a real positive. Uh, I think the manager, he's a wise manager. He doesn't need me to say it, but I think it was a little bit of wisdom in in changing Akanji and Ake. Lewis, young Rico Lewis, I didn't think they performed particularly well last week. I don't think they would have helped their case to beat Arsenal on Wednesday. Well, that was maybe the most interesting thing about today was the change in shape for Manchester City. Not for the first time we look at a Pep Guardiola team and go, what's he trying here is the obvious thing. He puts Rodri in at centre-back and they play four, but they played three at the back. They basically played a sort of 3-2-2-3 with Bernardo Silva in the middle of midfield alongside Rodri, Gundogan and De Bruyne in front. But... Walker is one of a back three, which he's, he's done with England before, but certainly not in this sort of shape. Uh, try and get inside the pep, mind of Pep Guardiola. What, what do you think he's thinking with moving to a back three? Is that with Arsenal in mind and Champions League in mind, or do you feel it might be a one-off? Um, I, I, I'm not sure what he's thinking, but I, I would think that one, of the, one, one thing that would have come into his mind is that young Rico Lewis has had a, a run of games now and he's put an awful lot of responsibility on him to play right back two games ago. He played right back. Um, last week he played left back with that um, kind of obligation to go in and be the extra midfield midfielder in the way Cancelo has done it for them in recent seasons and Zinchenko, both of whom were very, very good at it. But I thought he struggled at it last week in Kulishevsky had an awful problem on the right-hand side for Tottenham last week with support from Emerson Royale. They didn't handle that very well. So I think his thinking, maybe his thinking was, I think it's a bit too much for young Lewis at this stage. Maybe the Arsenal match would be too much for him. We need to go to try and test the more experienced defensive players that we've had and used before. I wonder... You know, deep inside him, has he regrets about letting Concello go, because 
and Jinchenko in the one season when you think of I know Cancelo played right backs he played right back at times but when Walker was at his best and fit he plays right back Cancelo left back and Jinchenko was the cover for him and Zinchenko was more than adequate cover and exceptionally good at times so you've got two left backs gone and you look at who, who's the next left back now is it is it Foden is it Grealish or Aki or yeah, but but is is a one of the attacking players like today? There was no wing backs mm. as such. Most teams that play three at the back, they play wing backs as well. But they weren't wing backs today. Mares is a, an outside right, an attacking outside right, advanced Grealish the same. So it's hard to know what Can I you think. Play it like was. that against Arsenal with against Saka and Martinelli. Uh, uh, well, uh, uh, well, he might. Um, he, he he might. But you know, that can leave them, could leave them open. Not, but he's always never worried so much about that defensive aspect. We know that with, with Pep, it's always about dominating the game in the midfield area and getting, as he said, the right passes from the midfield to the attacking players. That's always how he's taught. We go back to that Champions League final when they were beaten by Chelsea and he didn't play Rodri and he didn't play Gundogan in the holding position midfield and they got done in the match. It was a big open space in front of the centre-backs and they were exposed. He's, ne- he's never had that mindset of that I needed to play defensive players. But he certainly the three defensive players he played today without John Stones were the most effective I think uh, the three that he defenders. has at the moment yes and you know but I, I think the three of them will play the question is do all the other attacking players play against Arsenal will there be some concession to playing Ake possibly as a left back as you said he might be the next one in play him as a left back and then Walker becomes that um, extra player to outnumber Arsenal in the midfield area or at least even her up against Odegaard, Zaka, Partey to even her up in that central position. It could be Walker would be the one free to do that with Ake playing as the, the left the left full back, left central back in the, in the three. Walker is someone who always it seems plays in the big games when they can keep him fully fit when we look back at the great Premier League defenders of the last 10 years he's probably not a name that springs to mind straight away but he's been a part of a hugely successful Manchester City team he's been a big part of the England squad as well as they've gone through a really successful spell how good a player is he? Well, he's been a fantastic player. He went from Spurs. Spurs would have been probably disappointed to lose him. Um, he was an out-and-out right back from them for them. There's always a little bit, you know, with his game is about power, pace, strength. Not always great reading, I'd say, of the game as a defensive fullback. And there's often an error in him, in a bit of wildness in his play. And we've seen that at City at times and with England at times, where he makes makes mistakes high up the pitch and recovery while he has all the pace it was almost like to me I'd say the penny doesn't drop quick enough that they're in trouble and he's got to get himself back from that position and and that, that little bit of vulnerability and mistakes that I, I think that I spot in this game would reduce his presence in the list of great defensive players but he's been part of a great Manchester City team and 
you know, a first choice pick, as you said, when he's fit. He's 32 now. Always with City's players, they've had such a good squad. Not a deep squad, but such a solid group of about 80 and 70 that he can rotate them. I always look at the figures at the end of the season, the start of a new season. You look at them and there'll be about eight or nine players who play about between... 27, 28 games and 32, 33. Very few players play 35, 36, 37 because he's always protecting them for something, whether it was Champions League, Cup games, whatever it is, rotating them. And, you know, Walker has been one of those that's opened the high numbers. So he's, he's, he's a key player for them. Though he's 32 now, we look at the reduction in the number of good defensive players they have, even though they've added Aki, well, they've had Aki for a couple of years and he's played very little, he's playing much more now. Akanji's come in, he's played a surprising number of games. But Walker is a, is a key player because they don't have any obvious full backs. Uh, but you see they have that talent in the group underneath. Rico Lewis comes in from the academy, you go, where's he come from? Uh, outstanding went on the pre-season training or tour with them obviously impressed the manager decided he was good enough to play and they've got players like that and young Palmer's another one as an attacking player on the left hand side but such a big step because you're expected to win every week or and and to lose very few games. It's not about experimenting, giving fellas a chance. It's go in, do it at the top level. But Walker's a key player, and I I've no doubt he'll start against Arsenal this week. Not a lot to say about Erling Haaland, really, for once in this game. Played 45 minutes, got an assist, had six touches. Yeah, very good. A couple of very, I'd say. Two, two of those touches, at least two of them were on the second goal where he had to cut the ball back, check back from his left foot to his right foot. There was little opportunity for him to shoot with his right foot as the ball came off Chambers' path, head into his path. Martinez was out of the goal, but Martinez did enough to get across and block the angle maybe for the shot. So then he checked back from his right onto his left come back on his left and his right so he had three of those touches were actually in the second uh, on the second goal it's not a lot of touches he's in there they try to play it a bit earlier into positions where he makes those runs today or makes those runs frequently but today it was De Bruyne making the runs and he got onto it so he was a distraction concert I didn't think concert Chambers ever looked comfortable in the game so you could say he had an impact mm. on the game but he didn't score which is unusual is it 20 of his goals have been oh, sorry 18 of his goals have been at home yeah, 10 home games 20, before this yeah, it's only the third home game he hasn't scored in yeah so uh, I mean that's hope for Arsenal as well and hope for the other teams the goals of you know, I, mean, he got, I know he got three goals a match and a half ago, but he, he, they haven't been quite as um, as free, I suppose, the number of goals he's been scoring lately. That's that's one and a half matches without a goal. So there's hope for the other teams in the league that he's not going to end up with, you know, Dixie, Dixie Dean's type numbers in 56 or 54 or whatever. It is going to be fascinating on Wednesday night, the biggest game of the season by far, Arsenal with the three-point lead just to see what that team selection is from Pep Guardiola. There's every possibility he felt today he wanted to get the two centre-halves some game time. He maybe wanted to rest some players or just try a few things out. Generally, for these big games, it is a 4-3-3 and it's Rodri and De Bruyne and one of Bernardo Silva, Gundogan, and then either Foden or Grealish on the left, Mares on the right. Do you see him deviating from that on Wednesday night? 
Well, if we, if, we, if we look at today as an indicator, that Foden didn't come on the last 20 minutes, and you, you mentioned it in the commentary, that he always plays in the big games, Foden. Um, the 20 minutes he got today didn't do an awful lot. Did you say he has to start? That's a reminder to the manager. He has to start. Uh, like, like if you if you ask me now what his team would be and I'm not very good at predicting his team I'm usually fairly good at predicting most of the teams I'd say the team would be uh, I, the goalkeeper uh, obviously enough Walker uh, Diaz Laporte A another midfield Rodri Gundogan De Bruyne and uh, Mara is under a little bit of pressure that's two weeks in a row he's been taken off but I still have him down to start um, Holland centre forward and a toss up between Foden and Grealish for that position in fact if Grealish was taken off early I said I think he'd be in the starting team but then I think the manager will debate it in his head of how influential Foden has been so that's only leaving out the left back position and I'm leaving that open because I cannot I can't ever predict his team it's always I always end up I try to go for 10 or 11 I usually end up with 7 or 8 right you know so that's what I that's how I think it'll be I think there'll be a slight there'll be an element of respect There'll be a lot of thought about Arteta knowing so much about how Pep thinks and how he lines up tactically. Arsenal are much more settled and predictable. Um, are they? So let's move on to Arsenal then ahead of it because maybe the argument against Arsenal now is that they're too predictable. I think it was unchanged starting 11 for six games in a row yesterday against Brentford. They're having their first little stutter where you watch them and think... There's not quite the same spark or energy or speed or pace. And maybe some of the opposition teams are figuring out what they're about. I guess that's the challenge for any team looking to win the league. Teams will always figure you out, such as the quality of coaching. You've got yeah. to be able to respond with something a little bit different. Yeah, and you also have to be able to come up with something different and come up with personnel that are slightly different. They, Arsenal settled into that rhythm of the team very, very quickly, bar a little bit of change of full-back. You know, with Tierney getting in now and again in the left back position, right back position at times early on, but White has, has kind of solidified that position for himself. The the, the midfield three sorted itself fairly fairly quickly um, once the, all three are fit, and um, there's not been much change in there. But some of the players that have come in have not done great when they've come in. I, I saw, you know, all Arsenal's Europa League games and I wasn't particularly impressed with the replacements for that best 11. Mm. So, you know, I still... I, I don't, I but don't Trossard will be the one now. Got Trossard haven't come in the transfer well against win. United when he came on as well. Yeah, yeah. That's probably... It. But Martinelli gives him so much pace... You know, he's, he, I know he's a young player. Saka's a young player, and Ketch's a young player. Don't have the option of Jesus to come back in yet. I, I, I don't see much change. I mean, who, who, 
who would come into the midfield that might improve the midfield I don't see Vieri been good enough yet you know um, Smith Rowe's never fit Smith Rowe is, I don't, you know I don't, I don't see them having you know Tierney gives them a bit of energy when he comes in the full back position but, but but not you know I don't see that and I, 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 I think for that reason that it'll be still the same the same side the same starting 11 the one thing that stood out from the weekend maybe aside from the VAR controversy in the offside is that a lot of teams it feels like are struggling to get into a rhythm at the moment like Chelsea obviously are in a state of flux with the amount of players <laughs> who have come in and there were signs yesterday that they were maybe getting it a bit better ahead of the Champions League but Newcastle are hitting a, a rocky patch where it's not coming quite as easy to them like Tottenham after the brilliance of last week against City get beaten out of the park there's talk that Bentecourt may have a really serious injury might be out for the rest of the season uh, obviously we've seen uh, with Liverpool they can't get anything going at all Manchester United are getting the job done got the job done uh, again today but maybe with Casemiro and Eriksen not there it's not going to be quite as straightforward for them either like there's with what over a third of the season remaining it does feel it's very hard to call what's going to happen yeah but it's much more interesting for that you know I mean it, it become so predictable about let's say the traditional top six be it that one out of the six may have had a, a, a bit of a dip or a problem over recent years but you know it has been about City Liverpool one two and then you know, is it or United occasionally second, but generally City, Liverpool, United, Dennis Scrap with Arsenal and Spurs, Chelsea in there as well from season to season, but not in the recent seasons. In around those, that that's six. But now suddenly, you know, I mentioned this to you earlier today that the, the top four from last year all having their troubles. Manchester City not being as convincing or as dominant, let's say, as they've been in previous years. They've got a chance to go back to the top as we've already discussed for Wednesday night. But then behind them from last year's top four, you've got Liverpool struggling, Chelsea struggling, Spurs struggling, Arsenal uh, better, much better. Manchester United better now uh, under the Ten Hag. But other clubs bubbling up and and, and, and and playing with consistency and doing well, the likes of Brentford and Brighton, you'd say in particular. Fulham. Uh, Fulham, another one. You know, you'd say that can't really last. But it's made this se- season a lot more enjoyable. It's made a lot of the matches much less predictable as well and more enjoyable because of that. And, you know, what do you put it down to? Probably more because of that World Cup. We wondered what impact the Winter World Cup as it was played in, in in our winter, let's say, very unusually, never happened before. What impact was it going to have on the teams and the players? Well, I would suggest at the moment it's having more impact on the teams that are near the top who had more players at the World Cup than the teams who are, let's say, middle table or lower range teams. It's had much more impact on the top teams with the top players. And 
that has helped to even things out a little bit. But it's set up for a very interesting... I mean, looking at Manchester United's position today, they've suddenly got an awful lot closer with a win today to the top two, where you were saying the top two are well away. They're back, where were they, 45 points, I think, today, mm. uh, which City were 45 going into match. Yeah. City are 48. So you're going... Well, God, it's much more even than we thought, and there's going to be a scramble with Newcastle now being in touch. And in what you said, they've just dropped off a little bit lately, but they're in touch with the top four and have a, a real chance of making it. So I think it makes it all much more interesting for supporters of some long-suffering clubs who just accept, well, we might get a cup run, but we've not had cup runs in recent years because the big clubs have dominated the cup competition as well. It's been, you know, Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United in recent years, apart from the odd exceptional season when you had a, a strange one win like Leicester and, and Wigan have done. But other than that, even the cup has been dominated by the big six as well. Well, without without Spurs, been one of those. Chelsea, of course, been in it. Great stuff, Brian.